Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, happy Friday to everybody out there. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We've got your mailbag questions coming up in just a minute today. 100% guaranteed accurate answers or your money back. But first, let's talk a little bit about what happened uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Indomitong Sioux, who was unsigned, of course, uh, this offseason and uh, had remained so, is now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He signed... Uh, a contract, a one-year deal, I guess, on Thursday. He'll be headed to Philadelphia. Significant signing, especially because the Eagles certainly are in contention with the best record in the NFL at 8-1. and one. Um, That said, uh, they had a little bit of trouble, to say the very least, stopping the run. The uh, Washington Commanders ran all over them a little bit Monday night uh, to give the Eagles their first loss. And Sue is certainly capable of, of doing that and more. Now, you know, the thing about him is he hasn't had a training camp, didn't have an offseason. He's a guy that's always kept himself in good shape, but that, you know, there's only so much you can do uh, chasing after his twin boys. So um, he is out of his routine. He has always started a season uh, at the beginning of a season, not come in uh, sort of midway, and he's always prepared uh, a specific way uh, himself to get ready uh, in training camp in the preseason. So he's had none of that. Do I think he can come in? And, and be in relatively good shape and stop the run and do what they need him to do as, as sort of a uh, rotational player? Absolutely, I think he can. I don't know how many snaps he can give them right off the bat. Uh, and Domicon, you know, the amazing thing about him is simply that the guy has never, never missed a game uh, that he wasn't suspended from. He's missed two in his career, and he was suspended from both of those. But for health reasons, never been hurt, never had to miss a start. Uh, it's just a remarkable sort of uh, record that he has. So if he can be that healthy, because usually when players get older, I've said this before, they don't get more productive and uh, more healthy. It usually goes the other way around. Uh, but this is a sort of a short sample size here in the last month and a half of the regular season and the playoffs. And we'll see what he has left to give them. A lot of people sort of wondering why. Uh, the Bucks didn't re-sign in Domicon Sioux because certainly Tampa Bay's defense had their struggles against the run as well this year. And, and primarily they made a decision that they liked a younger Akeem Hicks, who's also had a ton of injuries. Uh, and that was what sort of you know the calculus was, is that, well, we can sign Akeem Hicks for less money, about $6.5 million. I don't think that Sioux, he had never played for under $8.5, 9000000 bucks while he was in Tampa Bay. So unlikely he would have taken much of a, of a pay uh, bump as far as that goes or decrease. And so they got a, uh, a guy that was two or three years younger and Akeem Hicks, a guy who had, a, who had an injury history that Sue did not have, um, but could be more dyna- dynamic possibly uh, in the past game as well. And unfortunately, you know, for Akeem Hicks, he tore his had the plantar uh, fascia uh, injury with his foot and knocked him out for about five games or so. He's been back the last two. You see how the run defense now has completely flipped. 
the Bucks are now stopping the run better. I think that's in large part uh, due to Akeem Hicks and his ability to kind of clog up the middle, take away some of the double teams that guys like Vita Vea has. Vita Vea had his best game um, with two sacks with, with Akeem Hicks back. So it, it was just the Bucks' decision that they didn't like as much on tape of Ndamukong Sue for the money that he wanted um, than they did Akeem, and Akeem Hicks. And so far it hasn't really worked out that great for the Bucks. but then Sue you know, didn't sign with anybody. So he might have priced himself out of the market, or maybe this was his plan all along. Remember, uh, he won a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers, so he has that. He's going to go for number two, and so he chose the team in the Philadelphia Eagles that has the best record in football, and they just suffered their first loss. So kind of a uh, kind of a win-win, I think, for Sue, certainly for the Eagles, who are uh, all too happy to, to have a run stopper in the middle of their defense. So, yeah, I think it's uh, you're wishing well. And Domicon, in the time that he was in Tampa, was a model player. You know, he uh, pros pro, didn't practice a lot, kind of had his own routine. Um, but he, uh, you know, for all the sort of, you know, fights and things they got in in the past, he, he was a very, um, you know, a very disciplined player. Didn't get a lot of penalties, and uh, and actually actually put up some good numbers. And again, never missed a game. So you give him lots of credit for that. Okay, we got your mailbag questions coming up here in just a minute. But first, we want to remind you guys: if you want to save money on your electric bill, on your energy costs, we have the solution for you. It's called May. Electric Solar. You hear me talking about them all the time. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, there's a field uh, with a lot of these fly-by-night companies. I get people knocking on the door all the time selling solar, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. That means anything goes wrong. They're back up there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances, that is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric displays all their products and conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who's doing the job. Those are all Billy May's guys up there uh, to boot. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, and preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, we got lots of your mailbag questions uh, coming up here. Answer as many as I can get to. Um, probably we'll have Steve answer a few when he gets back uh, on the uh, uh, on the lightning. Uh, I'd like to get his opinion of that uh, as well. Um, where do we start? Uh, I will start... Uh, with uh, Bob Holleran, who who asked, uh, watching the, the game at home from Germany, he said, I was really moved by bring, by them bringing out some of the family members of the Ukrainian football players who were away fighting in the war. The crowd went crazy. Very special. What are your thoughts? We may have talked about this a little bit the other night when I was talking about Germany. That was probably the singular most emotional moment of, of the event. Um, and there, there was a lot of emotion, obviously a lot of joy with the, the singing and the things like that that went on. Um, but the family members of, of those uh, Ukrainian uh, football players now, soldiers fighting uh, the war against Russia, um, you just, the, the, the heart felt applause and, and warmth uh, that that crowd offered uh, those folks was really impressive. And it almost brought a tear to your eye. And, and, you know, even 
what was really cool after the game when everybody had left um, and Tom Brady had done his, I think he had already done his press obligations. Uh, they brought uh, the family members back to meet Tom Brady and uh, he was able to spend a few minutes with them and uh, of course wish them and their, and their husbands well. And uh, the one, the one wife uh, said, um, I'm meeting my hero's hero. Her hero, of course, being her husband and Tom Brady being her husband's favorite player. So it was just really cool to see uh, see all them do that. But uh, great question, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very moving. I uh, I was totally uh, that that was the moment for me uh, of the game that uh, kind of got me. There's some other great ones, of course, but that one was probably the most emotional. Okay, John asked, "Is this likely?" The last year for Tom Brady, do you have a sense of how the Bucks organization is looking at 2023 and beyond? The cap will create some tough choices without a quarterback. Does it feel like a rebuilding year will happen? Not a team without talent, but not a contender. Um, I have, I have said, and I don't have any reason to d- disbelieve this necessarily yet, but I have said that I think this is the last year for Tom Brady in Tampa. Now, obviously, situations are fluid. Um, we know that his marriage has dissolved. Uh, we know that uh, that was certainly an issue going into the season about him playing, not playing, whatever, M- maybe not so much anymore. Uh, I've always believed and I've been told um, by, by people close to him that the health is the biggest thing. Like, can he still do it? How does his body feel? Um, you know, he, he doesn't want to be out there and not playing well. And certainly his arm looks good. Uh, I know he had a shoulder injury. We don't know how severe that is. Probably won't know until the end of the season, whether it was a labrum or rotator cuff or something like that. Um, but he can still sling it, and he certainly knows the answers to all the tests. I guess how do, how do the Bucks organization look at 2023 and beyond depends on what Brady wants to do. I mean, Tom has sort of shopped his services before, we know, with the Miami Dolphins. who got charged with tampering. That happened last January uh, when he was uh, preparing for a playoff game against the Eagles. And so he was looking at Miami. He was looking, frankly, uh, to get part ownership of a team. Uh, I think he's still interested in that if he could get it somewhere. Uh, it doesn't appear like he's going to get it in Tampa. The Glazer family is, uh, you know, just that. They're, they're very family-oriented. They're not uh, going to share uh, either franchise or, or businesses with anyone else outside. Um, so if, if somebody were to come along and say, hey, you know, we'll give you a minority share. All you got to do is this, like be the president or – I don't think he's going to be GM. I think that, that involves a little too much. Um, but he could have some role uh, as far as uh, the organization goes. And, you know, at, at minimum, uh, they may even say, hey, quarterback our team for a year, right? Like, just give us one year and, and we got a young quarterback we're developing. What does that sound like? Maybe San Francisco? Um, but I don't know, you know, where they sit. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing because their young quarterback got hurt. You know, but what happens when he comes back next year or will they wait another year uh, to see, you know, if they can win it all with Brady? So I think he'll make some calls. Um, unlike maybe last year, there might be a little more time that goes by before we hear what his final decision is. The difference really between this year and last year is simply that Brady knows that when he does retire, what he's going to do. He has a deal with Fox. Uh, he's going to be, um, you know, an NFL broadcaster, color commentator, what have you. Something he hasn't done before, but it, he signed it. You know, it's a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal. 
um, to do some stuff, uh, not just as a broadcaster, also some, you know, some meet and greet and corporate stuff like that. So he knows what he's going to do. Uh, he knows he'll be around football. He knows what capacity that'll be in. And so it's probably not as daunting to him as it was the first retirement uh, when he's kind of out there trying to figure all that out. So, uh, I, I, look, I, you never say never with these guys. And, and, you know, the greater the player, the longer they stay at the party, they don't know when to leave, all of that. And yet you wonder, how does the season end? You know, I think one of the reasons he came back this year was he hated the way the season ended. And he's always going to hate it unless confetti's on his head. But it did fall on his head in 2020, and he wanted to defend his title. So he didn't go down. Uh, he didn't go out. But last year with the comeback, um, with them not playing very well, and then the defense giving it up late, I, I'm sure he felt like, you know, if we win that game, San Francisco's coming to us. Uh, we're not going to lose to the 49ers at home. We're in the Super Bowl. That's how close he was. And I think there's only been three times when he had made the playoffs that he was one and done. And, and frankly, you know, despite whatever the record is, if they win the NFC South, they're getting at least one home playoff game. We'll see what happens after that. A lot of that will depend on what happens, you know, around them and above them if, they, if they're able to host two. Um, but, you know, there's a pretty good chance the way this division is that they're going to win the division. And I've said I think they're going to be favored in six of the last seven games. So, you know, all of that is to say – no one knows. And I think you have to see how the season goes. Does it become more frustrating? Um, does he start to look his age for a change? Is the arm going to hold up for, for 17 weeks plus the postseason? Uh, all of those are going to help determine sort of what, what he does. And in any case, he's a free agent. And that's what he was in New England when he looked around and ended up signing with the Bucks. So he, he could have added years to his contract, but he's decided – Nah, this is this will be it for me with the Bucks, and and I'm going to look around and at least be a, a, in a position to do that. So um, we'll see. I I think a lot of it just depends on what happens these next seven to ten weeks. All right, Tommy asked, "Do you feel like Kate Otten should be the starter over Cameron Brait? Kate Otten is coming on. What's your take?" Um, you know, I I, I kind of think he is the starter. Right now, by default, I mean, Cam came back and played a little bit last week. First, he had the concussion. Then he had the neck injury, which was very scary. Uh, and, and last week was his first game back. I think he caught one pass. The thing about, you know, Cade is that he's their future, right? Like, he's their tight end, number one. He probably is now. He's not a devastating blocker, but he's getting better. Uh, he's made some really big catches in the seam. I think Brady is really starting to trust him a lot more in certain situations, key situations. So almost because of Brait's injury and because he's working himself back into it a little bit, I think Kate Otten uh, has sort of taken over. And and I think that'll probably be the case the rest of the year. Look, you can still use Cam Brait when you go two tight ends on third down, red zone. There's a lot of opportunities uh, for Cameron. But uh, Cade uh, probably as good or maybe – I don't know at this point if he's a better blocker than Brake. That's not his strength. But but getting better, trending upward, and very smart kid. You know, and he's and, and just, you know, putting it on tape, man. He's, he, every week he seems to get better and better and makes bigger plays. So I really think that, that in my mind, Otten is the tight end one uh, with Brake, you know, a 1A. And then you got Co'Keefe who really plays kind of an H-back or fullback position a lot. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of the way it lays out. But uh, – yeah, I, I feel like Cade is the starter, uh, whether he's out there for the first series 
or the second series or the second play. A lot of that just depends on formation stuff and you know whether you're using one tight end or two. But um, but yeah, to me in my mind, Cade's their best tight end. All right, Michael asks uh, Leonard Fournette always seems to hit the hole the run was designed for, and he misses a lot of backside cutbacks. He also likes to run over defensive backs instead of trying to run around them for a few more yards. Is that all on Fournette or the coaching staff? Great, great question. Um, you know, running back is is probably the most instinctive position on the field. I mean, they hand you the ball, and yes, there are designed runs through certain holes or gaps, I should say, the A gap, B gap, C gap, all that. And the running back knows where those are supposed to be. It's important for him to know because that's the hole he's supposed to press. Um, but sometimes when he gets the ball, that hole isn't there yet. Uh, and sometimes he just has to trust that if he gets downhill, by the time he gets to the line of scrimmage, those, those offensive linemen will move people and it'll create. And that's where the vision, uh, the cutting ability, the instincts come into play, the power, all of that. Uh, I felt like Fournette is sort of a head-down, run-to-contact guy. And what I mean by that is I don't know that he has all that great a vision uh, when he gets the ball. And I don't know that he trusts that when he hits the hole that there will indeed be a hole there. And we saw a lot of problems with the offensive line, especially early on with uh, you know, Luke Gedeke kind of playing as a rookie. He struggled. They weren't moving people there. They weren't you know, dominating the line of scrimmage. I don't think they had enough rushing attempts. So not all of this is on Leonard Fournette, but it is a bottom line business, right? It's a production business, and it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, right? And all you need to know is, is Leonard Fournette's story to understand that because Leonard Fournette is a byproduct of what-have-you-done-for-me-lately. I mean, when he came here, you know, the Jaguars had enough of him and just cut him. And when the Bucks got him, uh, he was not their number one running back. Ronald Jones was. And it stayed that way the entire season. And people, people seem to forget that, that, you know, playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny wasn't, wasn't born uh, until almost the playoffs. And it wasn't, in fact, and we talk, told this story many times, that Bruce Arians had him inactive late in the season against Minnesota, a game that the Bucks won. And brought him into the office afterwards and said, what's it going to be, man? You know, you accept your role as the number two back. Or are you going to keep sulking with your head down and, you know, pouting in practice and all that? And they had a, you know, sort of a come to Jesus talk. And, and Fournette decided, you know what? I am going to accept my role and I'm going to have a better attitude and I want to stay here. Uh, and so lo and behold, timing is everything in life. And when he did that, Ronald Jones gets COVID at the end of the season. He's on his way to a thousand yard season. He gets COVID, misses two games. And then all of a sudden, uh, they go to Washington for the postseason. And Brad Jones is back off of COVID, but he ends up with, uh, you know, having a, a quad pull during warmups. So Fournette starts, plays really well, becomes playoff Lenny, then Lombardi Lenny, and then he gets a one-year contract. Bucks didn't sign him to a long extension. He just gave him one more year. And we know what happened last year. He was the dominant back. They didn't trust Ronald Jones, had some – you know, some bad plays early on, especially in pass protection. And they never really used two backs. It was mostly a Fournette show until he got hurt and missed the last three regular season games. And then the the best game, one of the best games they ran the ball, they did it with Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard against the Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card game. And so, you know, there's a lot of guys that can run the football. And so 
you know, to me, um, I like what I see from Rashad White. He's a big back in, in, in his own right. Uh, we saw the strength that he has when he, you know, took the safety, um, you know, and shoved him about, what was it, five yards at least against the Seattle Seahawks. We've seen his, him patiently, uh, you know, sort of not being in a hurry, waiting for the hole to develop, and then exploding through it. Uh, he runs hard. He's physical as himself. He's Again, he's not a small back. And I think, I think he brings an element where you can split him out and throw the ball to him and match him up on linebackers and safeties and go one-on-one and win in certain routes, whereas, you know, you do get the, the screen passes and, and the passes in the flat with Fournette. So um, it's the coaching can only do so much. They can point out, look, here, you know, here were the plays or you should cut this backside or, you know, why are you running through the wrong gap? You know, they, they can point that out um, to Leonard. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a very, very instinctive position, and he is just kind of that running back that sort of would rather run to contact than away from it. So it's really weird that way, but that's that's kind of the way his style is. I think they're both going to play going forward, um, but I do think that right now Rashad White deserves a little bit more of a look. All right, we got a question from Ellis. Did the Bucks wait too long to switch Nick Leverett at guard, and could they have won more games if they had to switch sooner? Well, I, you could say it was hindsight, but actually people were calling for it way before the, when they did it, and. Uh, the answer to that, in my mind, is yes. I think they may have won a game or two. Now, you know, not all was right uh, with the running game, uh, and it's not once once Nick got the starting job. Uh, they did not run the ball very well. You know, they played. They have played now really not two good games, but about five decent quarters. And, you know, the game against um, uh, that they won against the Rams before they went over to Germany – that was really Tom Brady in two hurry-up drives. One where they dropped the touchdown pass with Scotty Miller. Defense gets the ball back. Then he goes down there, of course, and scores. And, you know, but for that quarter in the run game, they ran it only 20 times again, you know, and they've been last in the league in attempts, in rushing attempts. And that's why Byron Leftwich was still under a ton of fire when they got on the plane to go to Germany. It was like, hey, man, I was convinced that if, if they didn't do stuff, if they didn't score points, where they didn't run the football better, and it was the same kind of game plan and the same kind of lack of production. Byron Leftwich may not have you know, made it off the tarmac in Munich uh, with a job. And uh, I think that you know, the fact that they were able to run it as well as they had all season, uh, so really they've run it well the first game of the season uh, with Leonard Fournette against Dallas, 127 yards or something like that, and then this pass game. That, and in between is a whole lot of bad. Um, but, but the games that Nick Leverett has played – I think he has given them a better chance. What's going to be really interesting is that you know Luke Getke is going to come off. He's going to come off that injury, and they got a decision to make. Now, what I think they'll do is I think they'll work Luke back into it slowly. I, I don't think he'll necessarily start the game. I think Nick will start and play the, the the bottom. You know, the majority of it. But I do expect to see. I do expect to see him back in there at some point, and then we'll see. You know, some guys get better with time and. He'll have had time to, to heal the injury, and, and sometimes you see the game from a better perspective when somebody else is doing your job. <laughs> so, um, you know, nothing like motivating somebody by watching somebody else do your job better than you did. So hopefully if he does come back, he plays better. But to me, it'd almost be malpractice now, coming off your best, most complete game on offense, uh, to move Leverett out of there 
uh, and for what, right? I mean, there's a reason why, uh, regardless of the injury, that they had put Nick in the game to begin with. So that's going to be one to watch, no doubt about that. Okay, Michael asks, why hasn't the NFL had a developmental league since NFL Europe folded? Uh, the, the, the easy answer is expense. That, that's the easy answer. Um, you know, I think that uh, the World League of American Football certainly had its usefulness, and we know the quarterbacks that have, were developed and other players from that, starting with Kurt Warner, Brad Johnson, guys that didn't get a chance to play for their NFL teams very much. They went over there, and, and they got those reps. They got that experience, and, of course, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, there were teams in the U.S. There were teams in, uh, in Canada a team in Canada. There were obviously uh, teams in London, several teams in Germany, which at that time outdrew everybody in Europe and in the United States. What are the German teams, which is why Germany is, is such a great market. The NFL announced, by the way, the other day, uh, they're going to play four more games, I think, over there um, between now and 2025. So uh, they'll go to Frankfurt and then, and then Munich and kind of split them between those two cities. But I, I, I believe it was the expense. Now, when, once, they, once they yanked out of there, there was something called NFL Europa, uh, which was not financed by the league, I don't believe, but uh, it lasted for a few years as well. And now they have their own American Football League uh, in Germany. Uh, Jim Tom Sula is a coach on one of the teams. I mean, there's a lot of NFL guys over there doing that. But, you know, the, the biggest reason is the expense. Um, and, and, and not for nothing... You know, in a way, they have developmental leagues. It's called college football. You know, in as much as you'd love to have quarterbacks get those reps that are just sitting on the bench and, you know, maybe they got a veteran ahead of them and they, they can't get any, any time, um, you'd love to have them do that in a spring league or in a, in a in, you know, in a sort of a lighter platform. I mean, kind of like what the D League is in the NBA. But it's, but it's really hard. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, they've tried it. They're not going to go back there. What they love Europe for is expanding their current NFL sponsorships, expanding uh, the interest in their current NFL teams and seeing if they can't get more TV revenue from different countries like Germany. Uh, we've heard about France. We've heard about Spain. Uh, really, all of Europe is is sort of a, a potential revenue boon for them. And so I think, you know, I think that's what they're headed to is to market their current game to all these cities and get more eyeballs on the product and create more interest uh, locally over there uh, in the NFL and get people playing football. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll have uh, an, uh, an all, you know, a German quarterback. There's obviously been German players play in the National Football League. Um, but maybe some of those leagues over there, as they play more American football, will start producing some, some players. But I don't see him going back. Um, I just, I don't know that at least in it, in the, in the prior format, uh, that they would do it because I just think it was too expensive to maintain quite frankly with the travel and, um, you know, the diminished, uh, sort of gates in certain cities, people weren't really interested. And that's the thing. Anytime you have a spring league, a developmental league, everybody kind of knows what they're watching, right? They're not watching the best players in the world. They're not watching the NFL. They're watching NFL prospects. They're watching players who are developing into good NFL players. But once they've kind of, you know, tasted what the product is, they want the whole thing. They, they don't want a, you know, a, a facsimile of it. So uh, that's the other thing is like, is there an appetite? You know, 
10,000 people will show up in London for their World League of American football games. That's just not sustainable when you do that little. So um, I think all of that is, uh, is sort of what, what the situation is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, uh, let's see. We have a question about, from Craig. It says, all is quiet on the stadium front for the Rays. Well, how much the Rays spend this offseason on players be a tell on how that is going? Oakland's situation seems more clear now based on recent comments by the commission. Is no news good news now for the Rays stadium? Um, this falls under the category of who knows and... I guess we'll see because and what I mean by that is I don't even if they were to have shovels in the ground now it's going to be a number of years sort of before they were to see some revenues from a new stadium assuming that everything goes well and you know um people come to the games and all of that I don't think they can go on the assumption that there's going to be one until they have a deal I think this is always going to be a small market team in terms of money for free agency. I don't think it's going to stop them necessarily, though, from trying to retain some of their own guys and get deals with their own guys. Um, you know, we saw them jump out and, and uh, you know, do something to keep Tyler Glass now a couple more years. And there might be other players coming, you know, coming up for, uh, you know, for arbitration, free agency, and stuff like that, that I, if they're the superstars, obviously, I mean, they, they signed Wander Franco and locked him up for a number of years. So they're still, they're still coming up with, with the revenue, um, you know, to do the, the basic things. Are they big players for big money free agents? Were they going to get Anthony Rizzo? No. They weren't going to pay Anthony Rizzo $40 million over two years. Uh, even as bad as they need a left-handed first baseman they, with power. They just weren't going to outbid the Yankees. And the Yankees are the Yankees. That's the other thing. You know, the free agents are the ones that get to decide, not the teams. So I think they'll look around and they'll take some swings at some big guys. We know that, you know, what it was Freddie Freeman a couple of years ago. Uh, they were at least in sort of the ballpark with no state income tax in Florida versus California. But he, he's from there. He wanted to play there. And quite frankly, the Dodgers are a better brand and, and have a better chance to win a World Series. And so that's why he probably went out there. But uh, I you know we've heard you hear names right you hear names that the bu- that the bucks that the rays would be interested in and yet you just don't really know um you know sort of exactly you know I- exactly where they're headed with respect to the stadium and how that affects their plan their plan is their plan the revenue is their revenue it's not great to say the very least the attendance is not great and there's no stadium um situation that's been settled so I don't know that you're going to see much difference in terms of uh, you know, well, we're optimistic. We'll have one in three years, so let's do this big giant deal for this free agents. I, I, uh, I tend to think that they're going to use their own formula the way they have in the past, draft and develop, make trades, all that stuff, and see if they can't put a winning product on the field. And they've done that. The problem is, is when they get to the postseason, what they're going to do there. So, um, but yeah, as far as the stadium goes, no news is good news, and that you're also not hearing them 
uh, because, frankly, baseball won't allow it, but you're not hearing them talk about moving to Montreal or to any city for that matter at this point. I think they do want a solution in Tampa. I think baseball certainly wants that solution. And who knows? Maybe they'll come up with it. Um, but for now, no stadium show. Uh, and I don't see um, them being huge players for, you know, big, big money free agents. Okay, Brian asks, after the conversation you had with Tom Jones about the Rays, do you see the Rays winning World Series in the next three seasons? Oh, woof. Um, it kind of goes back to the stadium a little bit. You know, like I said, shovels in the ground. They don't have a stadium in three seasons. You know, I, I don't see them doing it, and it's unfortunate. I think they're going to be uh, a perennial playoff contender. They may even win the AL East again, which is no small thing. I, I just think that when you get into the World Series, right, let's look at this last one. You know, Philadelphia came out of kind of nowhere, uh, made the playoffs, and then got hot at the right time. But who they get hot with? Big money, big name, uh, you know, sluggers, Bryce Harper, I mean, guys like that. And, you know, we've we've talked about how the Rays weigh their formula, all the back and forth and up and down, the strength of their of their minor leagues and stuff has really been sort of second to none. And, you know, they've used so many starting pitchers and openers and all the all the different, you know, sort of new ideas that they've come around with. Um, and, and they've made playoffs. But when you get in the postseason, you need that guy who might be a $35 million bat because he has, he has a knack for big moments. You know, Bryce Harper. Uh, Bryce Harper showed up and carried the Phillies for the longest time. Then you look at that Astros team, you go, where is there an out? Right? Now, they've drafted and developed well. They had the Rookie of the Year, uh, the, you know, the American League Championship Series uh, MVP, all that. But they've also got just a ton of big bats and big-name pitchers, right? And Justin Verlander, who's going to win the Cy Young, like the budget is a, is a thing, man. It's a real thing. And when they get in the postseason, those guys, the, you know, the lights come on and those guys shine because they're, they're big-time entertainers, man. And, you know, you're hoping that Randy Rosarina can get hot like he did a couple years ago and carry you to a World Series. And you're hoping that, you know, Wander Franco will play a whole season and what can he do in 150 games and Margot and, and some of the guys that they've got. Um, but hope is not a plan. And I, I think they have to do it uh, on a more consistent basis. And I just don't know that they're ever going to score enough runs. Now, maybe you don't have to score many, right? If you have Shane McClanahan and you have Tyler Glasnow going one, two in your, in your, uh, you know, in, in your playoff series, because those are two lights out. Uh, pitchers that can shut down any lineup so maybe maybe you don't need that and there's a lot of changes coming to baseball with no shifts and all these other things that could actually wind up benefiting the race because their athleticism and versatility of their lineup but i don't necessarily see them winning uh a super bowl in the next or a world series in the next three years it's listen only one team can do it and if you look at who has done it um you know some not not surprisingly some big market big money uh teams and so you know that's kind of the way it's it's gone in baseball not a salary cap league we'll see we'll see if the revenue uh you know being what it is if it increases because of a stadium that the stadium could change their game it could change everything for them and uh, but until that happens i think they're going to have to continue on this formula 
All right, we'll wrap it up on this. Uh, David asks, uh, and we got more uh, mailback questions we haven't been able to get to. We'll get to those early next week, especially about the lightning uh, coming up. I want to make sure that Steve weighs in on that. But David asks, uh, regarding the USF coaching search, Willie Taggart, uh, Jeff Scott, Charlie Strong, looks a lot like Frost, Hypo, and Malzahn, but the results were dramatically different. Is the real problem much bigger than the coach? That is a great question, and I don't know that I could compare one-to-one, right? Like, I don't know I could go, well, Scott Frost is, you know, Willie Taggart, or, you know, just how this, you know, or he's Charlie Strong, or Heupel is, or Mazan is strong, and Heupel is, uh, you know, Jeff Scott. Like, I don't know that you can make those one-on-one comparisons, but I do think it's an organizational thing in the sense that, you, look, UCF has been ahead, and they've been ahead on facilities, They've had an on-campus stadium. Uh, they have a, It's an enormous school, one of the largest, if not the largest, in the state of Florida. So they've had better resources, better facilities, and they've just gotten better players. You know, and, and those coaches you named, I mean, look, they've done a better job with them too. I mean, nothing against Willie Taggart because he won here a little bit, right? Jeff Scott did nothing. Uh, coming from a big program like Clemson as a coordinator, never been a head coach, didn't win anything, Okay. Uh, Scott Frost did fantastic, and and Heupel now is all the way up at uh, the University of Tennessee and maybe in position to win a national championship. We'll see. Uh, Malzahn is kind of you know on working his way down the ladder, but has had great teams at at, uh, at Auburn. I think recruiting is big for all those guys we just mentioned at UCF. I think they've been, done a better job getting the players. And whether that's because they have facilities or resources or a stadium, that's all part of it, right? USF is starting to level the field with that because they got their indoor now. They're working on financing a regular season, a regular stadium on campus, so that'll certainly help them as well. But I just think that organizationally, yeah, I, I think there's some things that USF has been lacking, and also they haven't hired the coaches that UCF has, and I think you got to give. You know, their athletic director and, and people over there, a lot of credit um, for the coaches that they have acquired and, and how well they've they managed to win. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't fault them for the record. So great questions. Uh, we didn't get to all of them. We'll get to more next week, of course. Um, just want to remind you guys to support our sponsor. If you're looking ways to save on your electric bill, it's May Electric Solar family owned business. They've been in business for 12 years. They offer a 30-year labor and services warranty. They repair anything over those three decades if you were to have a problem. Plus, every installation, $750 worth of surge protection. That's the main difference. Call Billy May and his guys. Start saving money today. Call the energy experts. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. And schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve your appliances and the quality of your life. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. 2862. The Bucks are off this week. I'm going to take a bye weekend myself. We will be back on Monday to talk about all the NFL and the college action for Steve Bursting. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 